Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What do you love about music? To begin with, everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cotta. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. This week on Sound Opinions, Jim and I call out the year's biggest musical turkeys for our Thanksgiving turkey shoot. Plus, we'll review a bevy of new albums from Kanye West, Rivers Cuomo, and The Killers. You are listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. You know, the world has changed in so many important and fundamental ways since February of 2004. We are, of course, still involved in these two wars overseas. We we have a a new president of the United States of America. We have the worst economic meltdown since the Great Depression. And yet, our government is most concerned about the nine-sixteenths of a second of nipple that (laughs) Janet Jackson showed at the Super Bowl in 04. You remember Nipplegate. Janet Jackson was performing with Justin Timberlake. She had a wardrobe malfunction or a little flash of bad taste, either way, exposed herself, and civilization melted down. The FCC won't let this go. A series of court rulings has said, look, this was a fleeting thing. Forget about it. The the uh, half million dollars in fines you're attempting to levy against CBS are unwarranted. Get over it. Everybody in America has gotten over it. It's the biggest joke, right, that the Super Bowl's ever produced. And yet the FCC is now determined after the uh, latest ruling by the Circuit Court of Appeals in Philadelphia overturned the fine. They're going to go all the way to the Supreme Court and fight this and say big media must pay for this egregious exposure of flesh. You would think the courts have more important matters to uh, deal with, and they do. And far be it from us to agree with CBS, but here's a statement they issued after this FCC decision. And we have to agree with them. We hope the Supreme Court will recognize there are rare instances, particularly during live programming, where it may not be possible to block unfortunate fleeting material despite best efforts. Yes, amen to that. End of story. In the night, I hear them talk. The 
That is Heartless from the new Kanye West album, 808s and Heartbreak. Yes, that is Kanye West. That is him singing. Him singing through one of those auto-tuners that seem all the rage in uh, hip-hop and R&B the last couple of years, uh, most notably used by the rapper T-Pain on just about everything he's done uh, the last three years. Now Kanye West is adopting this audio processor for his voice and using it to sing on 11 of the 12 tracks on his new album. Kanye West emerged in 2004 as a solo artist after a productive couple of years as a top-notch producer for artists like Jay-Z. First solo album came out in 2004, quickly released three more over the next few years. All of them sold in the multi-millions. Has emerged as, uh, many people would say, the leading voice in hip-hop the last few years. And not only hip-hop, but in pop music in general. A guy who has consistently pushed the boundaries of what hip-hop can be and what pop music can be. He's done everything from French disco to avant-classical music as backdrops for his music. In the last few years, he's written some of the biggest anthems uh, that we've known, Through the Wire, Jesus Walks, Touch the Sky, Stronger. These are songs that have enabled him to headline festivals around the world. Now he returns with his most personal record, 808s and Heartbreak. He recorded it in a matter of weeks out in Hawaii. It was recorded in the aftermath of two traumatic incidents in his life. The death of his mother, uh, longtime Chicago educator Donda West, who was his closest advisor. She died last year of complications from plastic surgery. And then uh, a few months ago, he broke up with his fiancée, Alexis Pfeiffer, and immediately after started writing these songs and crafting this album and released it in a matter of weeks. Consider that it took Axl Rose 17 years to make Chinese <laughs> democracy. It took Kanye West about 17 weeks from conception to completion mm-hmm. to make 808s and Heartbreak. Let's talk about this record, but let's hear a track from it first. It's called Robocop from Kanye West on Sound Opinions. Not the baddest girl I ever seen Straight up out a movie scene Who knew she was a drama queen Cause I don't want a robocop You moving like a robocop 
That's RoboCop by Kanye West on Sound Opinions from the new album 808s and Heartbreak. Uh, We know what that second word means. The first is a reference to the TR-808, a machine made by Roland that was one of the first drum machines. And it's uh, it's all over this album. It's as ubiquitous as the auto-tune, which I think a lot of people are making fun of Kanye West uh, for singing so much and for using that effect. Let me just say that rock is lousy with people (laughs) who can't sing, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, Lou Reed and Bob Dylan make up for their monotone vocals with other things. So does Kanye West, in part. Not that I'm comparing him to those two. What he uses the autotune for is much more as a vocoder effect, feeding your voice through a synthesizer. This is a man coming at you, a voice coming at you from the bottom of a deep, dark hole. Mm -hmm. I don't think, Greg, I was really racking my brain, and maybe we can do a show about this sometime. I don't think hip-hop has ever produced a great... Dark Night of the Soul album or one of those existential musings on the fleeting nature of life to match, <laughs> uh, you know, Van Morrison's Astral Weeks yeah. or or Tonight's the Night by Neil Young or the Soft Bulletin by the Flaming Lips or the third album by the Velvet Underground. This is a game and audacious attempt to do so. It is not entirely successful, but Kanye was on this trajectory, right? The college dropout, late registration, graduation, and he was going to give us a new album called good-ass job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was going to be his reward Mm -hmm. after all that schooling, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead, he drops everything, and inspired by Phil Collins' first solo album, Face Value, in 1981, he crafts this very personal disc. Now, forget what you think you know about Phil Collins. Before Susudio and all that silliness of pandering pop, Collins made a great album about a divorce, all by himself, in the studio. Not a great pianist, not a great guitarist, but he took these giant African tribal rhythms and built simple melodies on Mm -hmm. top of them and made this great record. In the Air Tonight was the big hit from that record, okay? Wes was taking this as his model, using this 808. He built Builds those African rhythms and takes a little of that Daft Punk electronica to decorate the scene. Mm -hmm. I wish there was a little bit more acoustic musicianship on here. If he had just had John Bryan playing a little grand piano or John Legend, who worked on his first album, it would have been an interesting contrast to the uh, mechanical stuff. But boy, this is a fascinating album, if not a consistently great one. Well, I think it's going to dumbfound a lot of his longtime fans, and there's nothing wrong with that. I like the fact that he's continuing to take risks throughout his career. He's noted for those big celebratory songs, but there's always been a thread of introspection in his music, but he's never made an entire album like that, built around those more introspective themes. The sound is interesting. As you said, the elements are really minimal. Using the auto-tuner is an interesting device because it does create this sort of lonely, hollowed-out atmosphere that this record needs as sort of a a thematic thread throughout it. And the drums, those 808s, are actually the lifeblood of the record. They're the most human-sounding thing on the record when you think that his voice is so distorted. I hear this record as, as, as sort of a, sung from the perspective of a guy who's the last guy left at the dance club. It, it's closed down. It's 4 or 5 in the morning. There's nothing but garbage left on the dance floor. And he doesn't He's, want to go home because he has nobody to go home he to. He has nobody to go home to. He, he may have been the life of that party. Now the party's over. What have I got left? And I think that's the, the question he's, he's answering on this record is that, you know, I've got all this stardom. He talks, he talks a lot about the baubles of fame in these songs, and yet he's emotionally adrift because he's lost the two closest people in his life. This is not 
something that rappers talk about. No. Okay, he is really going against the grain. I think in a lot of ways he is as inspiring a model of African American manhood today as his old neighbor, our president elect. You can hate him, you can say he's an egotist, you can say he's shallow. He's talking at one point about, you know, no Louis Vuitton that I buy is gonna yeah. solve my heartache. But he's real. Kanye should be praised for doing that, even if the album isn't beginning to end successful. I think it's a buy it record. Yeah, I agree with you, Jim. The way he ends the record, uh, a lot of rappers are dissing him for it because it's a, a it's a poor example of freestyling. But I think it, it connects this record beautifully. Do you think that sacrifice will life for all the fame and flashing lights? It's at this concert. People are screaming. He's rapping unaccompanied, and he sounds like the loneliest man on earth. It is a devastating end point to this record, and I'm going to say buy it, too. The most personal record Kanye West has made and one of the most personal records of 2008. There is no Gucci I can buy. There is no Louis Vuitton to put on. There is no smell that they can sell. To get my heart out of this hell and my mind out of this jail. You're listening to Sound Opinions. Let me tell you, baby, you're a It's that time of year again, Jim. Uh, we're carving up turkeys, and it's time for us to carve up our own musical turkeys. Uh, these are the records that we had high hopes for going into the year, records that we anticipated big things from, artists that we have particularly liked, artists that we have championed in the past, and they let us down with really bad albums. Right, not just bad records. You know, the world is rotten with those. These are records that should have been good records. Exactly. That's what we call a turkey. We're going to get some listener comments on those later. But first up, you and me. I got to say, Greg, I should know better at this point. Uh, <laughs> REM has been disappointing me for the last decade. Like, wise up, guy, right? You know, eventually you stick your hand in the fire one too many times and you don't do it anymore, Is right? this like the first girlfriend you just can't forget? This band meant Keep so much to me. Thinking about her all the time. And, yes. Yeah. yes this, uh-huh. this is betrayal by a, the most trusted person in your life, yeah. the, your, your lover. You know, I mean, I love this band. <laughs> I thought this was one of the most important bands I've ever witnessed from the beginning. And uh, they've broken my heart again and again and again. And yet the press always falls for this line of, uh, this is the one. This is REM's album where they rock again. This is the come back, right? We got it with Up, we got it with Monster, we got it with Around the Sun, and now we got it with Accelerate. This is not the band that I used to love and that was great for 15 years. You know, they don't do the harmonies anymore. Where's Mike Mills on vocals? Peter Buck does some generic guitar rock, but where are those hooks? And where is the stipe, you know, that used to have so much soul? It wasn't here. I I thought Accelerate, you know, didn't live up to the hype at all. And I mean, just, you know, witness the fact that in March, everybody was buzzing about it at South by South. Southwest. They played some shows there. Comes yes. out shortly thereafter. Who's still listening to Accelerate? I dare you. Like, yeah. who who listens to this album? Uh, who's listened to it since, like, July? <laughs> I mean, here you can you can even hear them working their past, the nostalgia, in Sing for the Submarine. They're referencing Electron Blue. They're referencing Feel Gravity's Pull. And they ain't coming close to anything good that came before. Where's the whipcord, the trap Where is the cartoon escape match for me? 
That is Sing for the Submarine from R.E.M., one of Jim's turkeys of the year. Uh, Jim, I have a band of more recent vintage that uh, gravely disappointed me this year. I've liked just about everything this band has done over the course of its career until this new album. It's My Morning Jacket, a band out of Louisville, now based in New York, came out with a new album called Evil Urges that I was really looking forward to because everything they'd done up until then had set up the anticipation that this was going to be one of the the big rock bands of the last decade. I think we're going to finally emerge as one of those bands that everybody had to mention in that pantheon of great bands. And Evil Urges did not do the trick. I think they tried too hard to be different on this record. They went outside of their comfort zone. I'm all for bands taking risks, but in this case, they ain't got no business doing a song <laughs> like this. This band doesn't have a funky bone in its body, and this song, I think, makes my point. Highly Suspicious by My Morning Jacket on one of my turkeys of the year. Highly suspicious by My Morning Jacket. Greg, you are absolutely right. That is one of the biggest stinkers of the year. I'd have a hard time naming a worse (laughs) song from an otherwise good band in uh, 2008. Coming up on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, we're going to be back with more of the year's biggest turkeys and then reviews of the new albums by The Killers and Rivers Cuomo.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott. He's Jim DeRogatis, and we are running down some of our turkeys of the year. To refresh, these are records that we had high hopes for, that we thought were going to be good, and let us down. Uh, Jim, what do you got next? Well, Greg, you know, I have to talk about Brian Wilson. I am a huge Brian Wilson fan, okay, but I have real problems with the way his solo career has been going in the last few years. The popular narrative is that Brian has recovered from whatever horrible trip he went on years ago, and he never was quite right after that. You know, you see him on stage, he's shaky on his feet, he doesn't have the strongest voice, he's got that scared deer-in-the-headlights look, you talk to him and interview him, and you don't really get answers out of him, he's not all there. This is a sad thing because he's one of the greatest talents in the history of American music. Yeah. Let's face it. You know what the Beach Boys did. And what you have is is people surrounding him who take advantage of his name to make faux Brian Wilson music. Yeah. It was really egregious 15 years ago when uh, his psychiatrist who was treating him at the time, Eugene Landy, uh, was, was co-writing songs with Brian Wilson. Now you have a more shadowy collection of uh, third-rate musicians like this guy Scott Bennett, a former Chicago and, you know, this new record, That Lucky Old Son, is not really a Brian Wilson solo album as much as it's a Scott Bennett album done in the Brian Wilson style. Mm-hmm. But who's going to buy a Scott Bennett album, right? Nobody. Who's going to buy a Brian Wilson album? All those people who want this guy to return to the genius of Pet Sounds. And it ain't going to happen. It's just really sad, I think. And, uh, you know, you can hear it in a song like Mexican Girl. No way are the songs on this record, Greg, the equal of stuff like God Only Knows or, or any of the early Beach Boys catalog. Listen to this one. It's called Mexican Girl on Sound Opinions. Hey, Mexican girl, I darn you in your head. The soul of lost feeling, where laughter fills the air. Won't you make me smile? Light up my sundial. That is Mexican Girl, allegedly by Brian Wilson, but really, who knows who's responsible for that turkey. Uh, Greg, we want to share the turkey uh, glory here and get some opinions from our listeners. We've got Eric on the line from Seattle. Welcome to Sound Opinions, Eric. Thanks. It's a glad to be here. Eric, have you got a turkey for us to fry? Yes, the new Weezer record. Are they calling it the Red Album? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the Red Album. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I, you're gonna have Jim, to make this Jim case. This I like this record quite a bit. You get rid of the three songs by the other band members, right. and I think it's a great record. Why do you disagree? I think uh, you know, as I've thought about this, I've thought maybe, maybe it's as much about me as a listener as it is about them as a band. It was a highly anticipated record. Each of their self-titled records have have been great, and uh, there's a, 
a side of Weezer that is this 25-cent joke, cute lyrics-type band. The things that I don't like about this record are things that I've liked about them in the past. I agree with that 100%. That was my big problem. I think he's pandering to some audience that he has left behind. 38-year-old married Rivers Como uh, is still writing songs for that 17-year-old fan. I'm a I mean, Eric, correct me, but I think that's kind of where you're going, right? That this is yeah, not... Uh... Yeah, and again, I, I like that side of them. I just wish that it was part of their bag of tricks and not the foundation of it. And I also, I have to admit, I mean, I'm 37, and so I wonder, have I outgrown that part of Weezer? I don't think so, because I do like a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff. The, the statement that I came up with that might hurt a Weezer fan, it hurts me as a Weezer fan, is that this record sort of, for me, comes in somewhere in between Bare Naked Ladies and the Bloodhound Gang. Oh, Ooh, oh Bloodhound man. Gang, that is a, whoo. Now that yeah. is a turkey. God, that you is know, a... you pulled that one out of the hat, and That's... you know, thank you for reminding me of a, well, I shouldn't thank you, I, I'm horrified that I now have to think about Bloodhound Gang today, <laughs> but man, that wow. was a bad That band. is a rotten, festering turkey <laughs> that, that needs to be buried as soon as possible. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Thanks for, for raining on my Weezer parade. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. Let's hear from another caller about our turkeys of the year. Janet from Chicago, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thanks. Give us an album that was uh, most disappointing to you this year, album you had high expectations for and just completely fell flat once you heard it. The album I'm most disappointed by is John Legend's Evolver. I had high expectations for him after his first album. I was a little disappointed with the second album, but there were highlights, and I sort of gave him the benefit of the doubt. But this third one is unforgivable. It's kind of heartbreaking, though, right? I mean, because this guy is a huge talent. You know what? It is really heartbreaking. Let me tell you, I fell in love with John Legend in 2004. I fell hard. <laughs> I had never heard anybody combine R&B and especially gospel. Mm -hmm. It just blew me away, and I felt like the music really backed up his lyrics and um, sounded so fresh and energizing. And this last album, it sounds so insincere. There are songs like Everybody Knows, where he's singing about being heartbroken and losing this great love, but his voice sounds like he could be singing about what he had for lunch today. <laughs> it gets harder every day, but I can't seem to shake the pain. I'm trying to find the word to say, please stay. It's written all over my face that I can't. But play producer, Janet, every once in a while, Greg and I say, okay, you know, if we were sitting there with fill in the blank, we would just say to this artist, you know, so John Legend comes to you with these demos for this record. What would you tell him? I would tell him he, he was really lacking the, the urgency that I sensed in the first album. I, and I feel like he sort of, gotten too much praise and thinks that he can master any kind of music that he wants and he just falls flat his voice i 
not only is it insincere, frankly, I think his voice is annoying. I don't know what has <laughs> happened to John Legend. I don't know what he has done in the past few years, but his voice actually grates on my nerves. Well, he's starting some of those uh, falsetto twirls on this record, which are not appealing. I think that was the worst part of his first album. I think that he did that just a little bit towards the end of the album. And those were the songs I thought were the weakest, and it just feels like he has embraced that. Whoever has counseled him to do that, he, he's very ill-advised. Well, Janet, I think you skewered that turkey very well. That was excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on Sound Opinions. Thank you. It's over. Let's go to our last turkey shoot caller. Peter, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thank you very much. You're from uh, Napa, California, right? I am indeed. Jim and I love that part of the country, so we're envious on that level. But yeah, you... we're not on a terrestrial radio station <laughs> out there, are we? You're not, no, but I do, I do listen to you uh, on podcasts and such. What has been the most disappointing album for you so far this year? Well, you know, I, I nominated originally Beck's Modern Guilt, um, mm. and while I've come around to it a little bit, I think I'll stand by that nomination. It is a, it's a big disappointment for me on a lot of levels. Are you a Beck fan? I'm a huge Beck fan, okay, um, so. and I'm, I'm an apologist even for some of his less-liked records, the recent efforts, um, the information, and Garo, even Garolito, some of those things I like, and I love Sea Change, but this to me just seems like a very flat, undifferentiated, boring rock record. Well, and, and this, this record did come with a lot of built-in anticipation because of who he was collaborating with, uh, Danger Mouse, who had been doing a lot of good work lately with people like Gorillaz and Gnarls Barkley. Here was the next project. You thought, man, this is a match made in heaven, I guess, right? Yeah, no, and I was excited about that, too. And, and, and I certainly don't fault him for it. I, it's not the production I don't like about the record. And I, like, the songs themselves just sort of uh, wash over me, and they, they just I, I'm not really left with anything. And it just seems it has this kind of languid, disaffected, sterile, one-dimensional sameness to it, and it just bores me. You said you were coming around, though. Uh, I am a little bit. Um, I like uh, some of the songs, uh, you know, I listened to it on the way uh, to work this morning, actually, and some of the songs, uh, I think it's called Chemtrails, it has this real melancholy uh, piano riff to it. Volcano, that kind of almost Neil Young-esque thing that comes at the end, has some moments, although it does have that embarrassingly maudlin lyric, I don't know where I've been, but I know where I'm going. And this comes from the guy that once talked about, you know, flash dance ass pants. Yeah, well, you can't you can't go to Beck for lyrics, you know. But see, that's the thing about turkeys. Sometimes the anticipation and the family strife for the big dinner is such that you can't you know enjoy the main meal. But then, like a couple days later, you have some turkey salad, you know, you have a turkey sandwich, right? And it's, yeah, it tastes so pretty good. I, I guess maybe I'm having my trip to Fan High now with uh, <laughs> there you go with this turkey, and I'm enjoying the leftovers better. So yeah, it's a, I guess it's a little bit of a grower. All right, All right, Peter, thank you so much for being on Sound Opinions. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good evening. I 
I don't know. I kind of like that Beck album, but I appreciate all of our callers giving us their input. We got one more turkey from you, Mr. Cott. What do you got? Yes, indeed, Jim. I do have one more turkey. Uh, this band let me down in a big way this year because I had such high expectations and I have such high respect for the work that the two main songwriters in this band have done in the past. Jack White with the White Stripes and uh, Brendan Benson with his uh, solo records. Together they formed the band The Tours, and their first record a couple of years ago was pretty darn good. It was called Broken Boy Soldiers, and I thought, here we have the makings of another great band. Jack White, two for two in terms of just bringing a, a, a new sound to uh, modern songwriting using traditional elements. Mm-hmm. White's the guy that sort of brings the bluesy, pre-rock influences into the sound, Benson is more steeped in uh, those power pop, more orchestrated records from the 60s and 70s. He's more likely to use uh, non-rock instrumentation the way Brian Wilson might have on some of those Beach Boys records in the 60s. Together, I think they write great melodies. They have a great respect for the melody and for the song, writing classic verse, chorus, bridge type of songs. And that was the real strength of that first Tours record. It is not a strength, however, of Consolers of the Lonely. I felt that this record was dashed off and hurried. You know, there was a big deal made about how they wanted to get the record out instantly into stores. They made the record, and it came out on vinyl, CD, and MP3 almost the same day, in fact, the same hour, so that everybody could hear it at the same time. But I All think, at once. They wanted you to listen as an album. They didn't want individual downloaded tracks. Right. And I think, you know, that same sort of rushed sensibility factored in the songwriting. I just didn't feel that they spent enough time on this project because the songs aren't there, certainly the way they were on that first record, or certainly the way they have been on their individual projects outside of the band. So for Benson and White, not their best day at the office. Consolers of the Lonely, a huge letdown. Here's a little bit of that Tours album on Sound Opinions. That's the Raconteurs, Many Shades of Black. You're right, Mr. Cott, not a good year for Jack White. He also did a lousy James Bond song, yeah. too. If you want to comment on our turkeys or give us some of your own, you can call the Sound Opinions hotline at 888-859-1800 or email us at interact at soundopinions.org. Coming up on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, we're going to review the latest from The Killers and a new solo album by Weezer frontman Rivers Cuomo.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. That is Human by the Killers from their third album, Day and Age. Greg, you know, it's a great game in pop music to play that uh, misheard lyric uh, yeah. game. You know, excuse me while I kiss this guy, Jimi <laughs> Hendrix in, in Purple Haze, or smells like teen spirit, uh, Kurt Cobain complaining about a mosquito in his burrito, mm-hmm. right? This is a big controversy among Killers fans because Human, everybody swears he's singing, are we human or are we denser? No. In fact, he is singing, are we human or are we dancer? Singular, which makes no sense grammatically. It should be dancers, right? Right. Uh, Brandon Flowers, the leader of the Killers, says he is referencing the uh, famous Hunter S. Thompson line about we are raising a generation of dancers. In other words, unthinking zombies tuned to the TV and ignoring what's really happening Mm -hmm. in the world. How that explains the weirdness of that line, I don't know. But uh, here we have the third effort from the Killers, who emerged early in the new millennium from the glitz and filigree of Las Vegas, doing I think the very best take on uh, the new wave of new wave revival of sounds like the Smiths and the Cure. Everybody from Brooklyn was wearing a fauxhawk and trying for that sound, but the Killers did it better by adding a smattering of glam rock grandeur and silliness and just a little bit of uh, bubblegum hooks. You know, they had some great songs, sold five million copies of that first record, and then they came back in 2006 with a record called Samstown, where they got serious. This was about a dive, a forgotten dive in the backwaters of Vegas where they were giving us these blue-collar Bruce Springsteen Mm -hmm. beat poetic observations of, uh, you know, the seedy underbelly of American life obscured by the the neon lights of Vegas. What do they do the third time out? Well, they linked up with a British producer, Stuart Price, the guy best known for uh, crafting the Madonna product, Confessions on a Dance Floor, and out comes this record. We're going to give our opinions on it in a minute. Let's hear a track first. It's called Joyride by the Killers on Sound Opinion. It's getting close to sundown over the Sierra, stranded on a heat wave, burning with desire. She was on the sidewalk looking for a nightlight. We talked about the real things and drove in. Take away my 
That is Joyride on Sound Opinions from the Day and Age album, the third album by The Killers. And uh, therein you have a uh, capsule summary of all the things that might be wrong with this record. A sax solo that sounds like it was borrowed from like a Spandau Ballet record. <laughs> uh, those steel drums. Where do they get those steel drums from? Steel Why drums do they need to be on there? should never be on a rock and roll record, no. You know what this reminds me of, Jim? Those sort of faux-funk records that they were making in that synth-pop era. Bands like Haircut 100 and mm. Thompson Twins. They were trying to be funky, but they really didn't know quite how to do it. So they, they brought in these little signifiers that would make it sound funky. And Stuart Price is a big believer in that. He loves that period of music. He's bringing some of those influences in. So he's touching up the killer sound with a little bit of exotica. Then you've got Brandon Flowers singing about rattlesnakes and romance and going on and on about these ponderous <laughs> Wild West mythologies. He doesn't really have the chops to pull off this ambitious songwriting that he's trying to pull off. You know, that, that tendency that he showed, as he's mentioned, the sort of sub-Springsteen quality of Samstown. He's trying to bring in some of that lyrical grandeur to this record as well. Oh, he's, he's going even further this time because last time he was just trying to comment on the underbelly of America. This time he's up in outer space and he's looking down and he's commenting on the foibles of all of humanity. Well, I'm glad you've tried to figure this out because I can't be bothered to spend that much time <laughs> with what Brandon Flowers has on his mind. However, this band is a great singles band and I think in a few years they're going to have one terrific compilation of their 10, 12 best songs and it's going to be a good singles collection. On this record, you have four tracks that I think are top-notch. Human, Spaceman, This Is Your Life, and I Can't Stay. I think those are Spaceman. all really solid melodies. I-, I love that sort of faux Roxy music, glam rock, oh, dance no, music no, no. vibe. I think that's a great song. Spaceman, where, where he's imagining himself being abducted by aliens? As I said, no, no, no. As no, I no. said, the, the, song, it's, the lyrics itself, you've got to tune those out. But the bass line on that song is killer. That's Peter Hook from New Order, or it sounds like him. I like that part about this band. I think they take, they're starting to take themselves too seriously lyrically, but musically, when they sort of stick to that sleek, new wave dance pop, they're really, really good at it. They just don't do it enough. I don't think they can be forgiven for the steel drums. I don't think they can be forgiven for the worst saxophone I've heard on any the rock record ever. bad. I mean, this I is agree. like Clarence Clemens yeah. on Ecstasy and Viagra. This is the, it's, like, it's such bad saxophone, it's embarrassing. And, and the lyrics, Greg, are an awful big hurdle to overcome. Then there's that production. I think that that Goodnight Travel Well song, I mean, it is so overblown, it makes Bohemian Rhapsody sound like Louie Louie. This is a trash it, unredeemable record. I disagree with you, Jim. I think there's a few good singles on this, and I think it's a burn it record. Something I've held way down deep inside all these years. You always were a friend, you always trusted me. But now I must admit that I was not trustworthy. I let you down, I sold you out, I turned away as you fell onto the ground. 
That is I Was Scared from Rivers Cuomo from a compilation of his solo recordings called Alone 2, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo. Uh, he put out Volume 1 in 2007, following quickly with Volume 2 in 2008. Similar in, in tone and feel to the Scoop series of home recordings put out by Pete Townsend of The Who while that band was operating, and a fascinating insight into the songwriting process of a guy who's written some pretty great songs, let's face Mm -hmm. it. Six Weezer albums, most of those selling in the millions. The band formed in Los Angeles in the early 90s, uh, set the template for the emo rock movement of the mid to late 90s with these really heartfelt songs about Cuomo's insecurities, and transformed itself into a big arena rocking band in the last five or six years. But here is a more intimate, introspective look at uh, the Como songwriting process. And here's a song from the new album. It, uh, ironically enough, it is not written by Rivers Cuomo. It's a song written by Jermaine Dupree, <laughs> who reached out to Cuomo to, uh, for some collaboration. And here's what Cuomo did with that song. It's called Can't Stop Partying from Rivers Cuomo on Sound Opinions. That's I Can't Stop Partying, Rivers Cuomo, building on a song by Atlanta R&B producer Jermaine Dupree. One of the weird little rarities on Alone 2, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo. This is exactly, Greg, what you want a Nuggets leftover outtake collection to be. You know, there's also a wonderful garage rock deconstruction of uh, the classic Beach Boys five-part harmonies in Don't Worry Baby. Don't worry, baby. 
you know, one weird song that's built entirely on a march. There's some some girl group kind of experimentation. Uh, there's a song about Walt Disney, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is, is if ever there was a topic for Cuomo to address. You know, earlier in the show, we heard from a caller, Eric, who uh, hated Weezer's Red album. You did not like it. I was a champion of it. I think that it shows the guy at his best on songs like Heart Songs. And now we have a second fascinating collection. Maybe if we put the best moments of both these albums together, we would have had a downright masterpiece along the lines of Pinkerton or that first Weezer Blue album. As it is, we merely have two very good recordings. I like them both. I think they're both buy it records. Uh, Weezer's Red album and now Home Alone. Well, I disagree with you on the Red Album, but I really like Home Alone. Cuomo has lost some of these qualities in the Weezer albums that he's been crafting the last few years. Uh, I think he's writing records for the marketplace instead of from the heart. And and these songs are clearly from the heart. I think that what he did with that Jermaine Dupri song is absolutely brilliant and heartbreaking in a lot of ways and, and brings you back to the place where this guy was when he was writing songs for Weezer back in the early 90s and what made that band so great. That he can get to that place still, I think, is evident in these solo recordings. I think it's the best work he's done in the last five or six years. I'm, I'm not as huge a fan of those Weezer records as I am of these home recording sessions, mm. and I'd like to hear more stuff here. I, I think he's cheating himself in a lot of ways by not putting some of this stuff out and recording it in this way because I think he's lost the plot with Weezer, but here's an indication that he still has it. He can still write great songs, and he can still write really emotionally transfixing songs. Uh, so on the patented sound opinions rating scale, buy it, burn it, trash it. I'm going to give this a buy it all the way. It's a double buy it on Rivers. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we are going to find the punk rocker inside Amy Ray, one half of the Indigo Girls. The Indigo Girls are a folk pop duo. When Amy's out on her own, she does something completely different, and we're going to find out what it is on Sound Opinions next week. Greg, as always, Sound Opinions was produced by Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. And, of course, our executive producer, our fearless leader, the man who gets fed first on Thanksgiving and every day, Tori Southside Malatia. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic, so now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hey guys, this is Jim from Chicago, and this is a comment on the Alejandro Escovedo show. Uh, first off, thanks for doing that. I've been a big fan since I first saw him uh, with the True Believers at the West End years ago, a show they did with uh, Camper Van Beethoven. But I actually special ordered the vinyl on Real Animal from my neighborhood mom-and-pop store. And 
upon getting it, was a little disappointed to find out that not only was it 25 bucks for the double vinyl, but that EMI Manhattan didn't even include a download code or a drop card or anything so that I could uh, get it in my iPod as well. Now, I've got to burn it to a CD and then drop it in there. And that the art on the back of the album was merely a blow-up of the CD art and it's it's kind of crazy to me where a major label can't get these things right that the indie labels do right all the time. Separate artwork for the LPs and a download code in, in the album and at a cheaper price, too. So, you know, you wonder why the major labels are going out of business and why they don't get much support from the consumers. Well, there's another reason right there. Anyhow... Other than that, it's a really good record. It's a, a wonderful addition to his catalog. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hi, Jim and Greg. My name is Rachel. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. With regards your review of Chinese democracy. I, I don't understand. I just don't. As far as I'm concerned, the, the only part of that album that I want to hear is Lash or heck, anyone in the band listening to it. I, I want to hear them laugh. You know, they weren't they weren't part of that, and I'm so proud of them for it. It brings tears to my eyes to know that neither of them, or that none of the band had anything to do with it but Axel because it's an embarrassment. Oh, thanks. Bye. Uh, this is Mitch from Sioux City, Iowa. All right, here's the deal. Big fan of your show. Been listening for a very long time, but I gotta say that my patience is wearing thin lately. Uh, over the past few weeks, I've been hearing things like banana smoothie, Justin Timberlake, and et cetera, et cetera, getting a buy it now for or a buy it for Beyonce. I just wonder when we're gonna get back to good music and not just music for the sake of music or covering a genre. Come on, guys, let's step it up. All right. Later. Hey, Jim and Greg, it's Tom from Chicago. I heard your review of Beyonce's new album and that song Diva that you played, which I have to say didn't mention, but it sounded to me like it was completely lifted from MIA, and I thought that was really kind of ironic, since to have a uh, an American R&B superstar kind of lifting from a British-born South Asian who was herself influenced by American R&B and, uh, and rap, so I, I thought that was kind of an interesting example of cultural transference, so that's it. Great show as always. Thanks, guys. No more messages. To give us your opinion on sound opinions, call our hotline 1-888-859-1800. 
We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. 